You guys doing all right? Everybody's good. Anybody pick Virginia? If you guys know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably, it's probably a good thing. Oh, I picked them to win it all. But don't worry, God's grace is sufficient. You are here so your hearts can be lifted. Um, don't, I picked Michigan in a second bracket because I believe in abundance, so I picked more than one bracket. So I picked uh, Michigan, and they won on a buzzer beater last night. Anybody watch that? Anybody? I thought I had more sports fans in this church. I guess we gotta, we got to work on that a little bit. i got to talk about sports more. Um, hey, I, uh, I, we are in a second week of our Disrupt series, and uh, we, we talked last week about John the Baptist. We're going to talk about John the Baptist again if you want to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I, uh, I, I, we're, we got two weeks till Easter. This week, next week, and then we've got Easter Sunday. That's a day to invite some friends. Got some things happening. I'm excited about it. Egg hunt, the whole nine yards. It's going to be a blast, right? And, uh, and I'm really excited about it. And as we kind of move towards Easter, I kind of wanted to take some time to talk about what happened before Jesus showed up. That's why we're talking about John the Baptist, right? Sorry, I'm, how are you doing? Okay. Yeah, it's a little quiet. Did anybody else smell the skunk when you walked in? Yeah. It was actually John. He hadn't taken a shower yet, but. A little muggy outside. Anybody enjoy their spring break? I, you know what it is? Maybe I, I love that Do It Again song and I can't get it out of my head. I've seen you move. You move the mountain. Hey, I see you do it again. Yeah, y'all like it too. Some of you don't know yet. It's an easy one. Just you got to wait for that. And then you're in. Like, you, know, you, gotta, you don't have to know the song. You just got to know the. All right, you guys ready? Now I'm back. Okay, I, gotta, I just had to get that out of my system. Y'all know me. I just had to. I just had to sing one time, and then we're good. Mary got to do the closing out of worship this week, and I didn't get to do it. So I had to kind of, I just had to get it out of my system. John chapter 1, you guys ready? So we're talking about John the Baptist, and, and, and this is not a guy that a lot of people hear about. Not in the sense that you don't know who he is, but we don't do a lot of series on John the Baptist. You don't really hear a lot of sermons on John the Baptist. Part of it is because how do you make locust and honey cool? Uh, part of it is because he said some things that were a bit strong. And in today's kind of church culture, those kind of words like sin and repent are not words that we hear often. Um, we talked about this last week. We think sin is a heavy word. Are we sorry, we think repent is a heavy word because we think sin is a, a light one. We think repent is a, a heavy thing because we don't understand the, the weight that sin carries in our lives. When we do things or when we step away from or we move uh, against what God wants for us and desires for us, repentance actually becomes a word that brings freedom and salvation when we understand that sin is there to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you with me? And so repentance is not a word that's heavy. It's actually a word of freedom. If, if you were looking at the Hebrew language, one way to define the word repent is to simply say to come back home. 
So when you read the prodigal son's story, what you're seeing is a a form of repentance. And and in that, you're seeing a father who loves his son so much that he throws him a party, kills the fatted calf, runs when you're not supposed to run in that culture. And he's running down the street to find his son and give him a hug. That's what repentance looks like. So when John the Baptist stands there and says, repent, for the kingdom is near, what he's trying to do is release you of some things so that you can walk into future. I think it's interesting that he says repent, and then his next phrase is not looking backwards but forwards. Because repentance always sets you up to look ahead. Repentance is always something to let you loose of what was so that you can walk into what can be. Right? So old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just say old things passed away? Like, aren't you glad that God didn't just bring the Israelites out of Egypt, but he actually took them into a promised land? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't just die for your sins, but he rose for your life? Like, aren't you glad that there's a, there's a leaving and an entering? Just saying. And so this idea of repent, the kingdom is near, that's how Matthew sums up all of John the Baptist's ministry. That one statement. Repent, the kingdom is near. Now he preached for a while, baptized a ton of people. People were coming from everywhere to hear his voice and to hear his message. And he begins to baptize all these people. And one of the things we talked about, in fact, we gave you three things that a disruptor looks like. Uh, a disruptor is not just an interrupter, right? doesn't just stop something, but actually breaks things down and reshapes it. So, so John the Baptist disrupted, but he, did, he was three things. One was purpose. He chose purpose over ego. Isn't that an interesting statement? Sometimes the, the biggest issue in us achieving our purpose is our own ego. Because sometimes purpose requires of you something behind the scenes that you're not willing to give. So purpose was one. He knew who he was. That's why he didn't care that he was eating locusts. And I, we loved this last week. We had domesticated locusts and wild honey. She just thought it was interesting that the honey was wild and the locusts weren't. Okay, so uh, they, but the, there, there's purpose and then there's passion. Isaiah's prophecy over John the Baptist was that he was crying out in the wilderness. That there was something about his message that was more than just a whisper. It was more than just a nice little conversation. But it was this passion of, I've got to get this thing out there. And then the third one was peculiar. I think for you to live as a disruptor, you've got to be a little bit peculiar. In other words, if you're going to see things differently, you have to be willing to be seen differently. The idea that I can see something differently than everybody else sees it it is actually something that puts me in a position that that at times can feel a bit awkward and peculiar because at that moment I'm seen differently. So when a guy, again, disruptor is a word that's used now for things like Airbnb or Lyft or Uber or whatever else. When someone said, oh, you know what, we should just rent rent out people's houses. That was a little bit of a different idea. And I'm sure there were people around the place looking at those young guys who started that, said, man, that's, I don't know about that. But I think they, they did okay. They're doing all right. And so I wanted to jump into John 1. Last week I told you we were going to stay in Matthew 3, and I just didn't feel it this week as we were kind of just kind of preparing for today. Um, I wanted to jump into to John, John chapter 1. There's just one little place that John the Baptist gets mentioned in John chapter 1. Are you there? Are you ready? It'll be on the screen, uh, but I don't want to tell you that until after you've opened your Bible, because I want those of you who, like, are super Christian and bring your Bible to feel proud of it for a moment, to look around and go, yeah, I got my Bible. 
Just make sure you underline a few pages to make it look like you actually read it. You know what I mean? Like, anyways. I don't do that, I promise. I promise all these underlines are, are because I really got something. John chapter 1, you ready? Yeah. All right. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. There's a lot in there. We'll do that some other time. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines, present tense, in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man. Everybody say, there was a man. I love this. I really do, because... Here's these first 12, 13, 14 verses all talking about the word was with God and the word was God, talking about Jesus showing up in the earth, the light in the darkness, talking about some incredible things about Jesus, and all of a sudden God finds it fitting. John, the author of the gospel, finds it fitting, and it's a different John that we're talking about. This is not, these are two different Johns, just in case you thought he was being really arrogant, okay? But he does say, he, all of a sudden, he's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about the good things, and then he says there was a man. I find it interesting and I find it encouraging that in the midst of talking about the light showing up in the darkness and the darkness not overcoming it, that there was a man involved. I find it encouraging that in this incredible story and in this incredible introduction to Jesus that we find out about a man who was part of the plan. I love that about our God. I love that about the story. I love that about this Bible. I love that the messiness of humanity was included in the goodness of God. I love that all the things we deal with and all the things we walk through and all the things we carry and the the locust and the wild honey and the camel hair suit. I love that that's included as we talk about what God's doing on the earth. Just in case you thought you weren't part of the plan. Just in case you thought because you liked locusts and wild honey, just because you thought maybe there were some things in your life that didn't add up to what culture said or the system had said, I want you to understand that you are part of the mission. You're part of the plan. You are part of the story God is writing on the earth. Are you with me? I hope that encourages you just a little bit. I think we sometimes think that this is just, man, let's just talk about God and talk about God. And I think it's, we, it's interesting when you begin to read about God, he talks about you. That he talks about you in such a way that that says, I I value humanity enough, and I value men and women enough to bring them into the story. In fact, as we read on, we'll find out that he doesn't just allow us to be in the story. He makes us a very integral part of the story. You and I are an important part of the story, an important part of the plan God has going on the earth. You matter. You have value. And and you were part of the plan. And so he says, there was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into 
the world. Now, there's a lot of things we could talk about here. I want to show you a different translation, though. Uh, the ESV says it a bit different in verse 7. Would you go to that, the ESV translation of verse 7? He came as a witness to bear witness. He came as a witness to bear witness. Have you ever been in a situation where, um, where someone saw something, didn't tell you, and then you're upset because you wish you would have known? So in uh, New Mexico, just a couple weeks ago, we're driving through, and we would see deer, like, all the time. And, and, and Kaysen would be sitting in the back, and we'd go, oh, there's a deer! And he would, he would look up and look around, and it got to the point where they were just everywhere. It's like, now I don't think you're special. I thought there was only two of you. Now I find out that there are a lot of you, and it's just not as cool anymore. We saw elk. We actually stopped and just hung out looking at elk. And we, we didn't know what to say at that point, so we just said, there's, there's something with hair and stuff and fur. Didn't really get Kaysen nearly as excited. I don't, I don't know, maybe this has happened to you. Um, you're with, uh, maybe you're with your spouse or you're with a friend. You guys go get ice cream, maybe. And they walk over a little bit later with the ice cream that they have gotten after you have already ordered your ice cream. And she says something like, oh, I go, what flavor did you get? Uh, salted caramel. Oh, wait, they had salted caramel? And you didn't say something? You saw it, but you didn't say something, say something. You didn't say something? So you're like, oh, no, no, that's not allowed. You can't sing songs like that, church. So you're like, I didn't even know that was a song. And some of you think you're so above it that you can't sing a song like that, right? But you saw and you didn't say anything. Have you ever been in that? You know, maybe someone ordered something off a menu and you get your food and you're like, oh, this looks good. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And then something comes to their side and food gets put in front of them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Some of you are still looking at your friend or your spouse and going, yeah, I still remember that. Right? And you're looking at it going, why didn't you say something? You saw it, and you didn't say it. Is it possible that we could be a witness of something and yet not bear witness of something? Is it possible that we could see what God is doing and yet not say what God is doing? Is it possible that we've kind of slid into a place because it's a private faith? No, it, that's, no, it's personal but it's not private. That's not in the Bible. The idea that we are a people who we come as a witness and then we bear witness. Meaning there was an option for John. Some of us get stuck at the comma. We get stuck at the, uh, he came as a witness. I, I, I saw something. I experienced something. I heard something. I found out something. Something happened in my life. And then we get stuck. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's just uncertainty. Maybe we just are afraid of what people might think of us. I don't know what it might be, but somehow we get stuck at the comma. We get stuck at the place where instead of bearing witness, we've just become a witness, and that's great. Like, I love that God's done something in our lives. A witness is simply someone who's seen or heard something. But to bear witness is to carry it into a place. To bear witness is to actually own it and bring it into a place for someone else to experience. 
So there's, there's, a, there's a group of us and many of us who, who have an opportunity to bear witness. We've been a witness and we need to move into a place of bearing witness of what God has done. And John the Baptist, here's this guy, puts on some camel hair, puts on, grabs some locusts, gets some wild honey. I feel like that's all just to get people's attention. Goes, hangs out in the desert. And all these people start coming to John the Baptist. All these people start showing up. And here's this message of repent. The kingdom is near. God is showing up. Jesus is going to reign. And you need to be part of it. So repent. Get rid of the old stuff. That's what we talked about last week. Disrupt the system. Get rid of the status quo. Today, I, I just want you to understand that you have an opportunity to disrupt the darkness. You know, Mayor actually started talking a little bit about some of this, right? This is going to be a short message because there's not a whole lot that you need to say about this. It's just simply you need to, you need to be light when there's dark, right? And, and, and so John the Baptist has an opportunity. He can either he can be a witness and not bear witness, or he can be a witness and actually then tell somebody. I think we've all been in that place where we've seen something happen and we're a bit uncertain as to whether or not we should tell someone, right? My son's gotten really good at telling on people. I don't know what that is. You know, there's part of it that's like, Kason, don't be that dude. On the other hand, I'm like, I'm glad you're a four-year-old and you're actually, hey, no, this can't happen, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter that you also do that, right? Telling on his little one-year-old son, he took something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took back what you had taken from him. Right. Yeah, you leave that part of the story out, right? And maybe for some of us, this bear witness thing, is, is, it's a challenging thing because maybe we've complicated what it is. Maybe we've made it more than it should be. Maybe we see it as a, a, a thing that we have to stand in a stage with the podium and the Bible open, make sure it's underlined and highlighted, right? And make sure people know that you've read it and that somehow you have got to have been this incredible orator and you've got to preach this amazing message and you've got to have three points. Just so you know, I never have three points. It just kind of just happens and that's cool. So, so just take that pressure off three points. Just do one. Jesus loves you. All right, cool. I can run with that one. Some of us have, have, have relegated what God has done in our lives. We, we, we've, we've dismissed it, or we've made it smaller than it is, or we've forgotten. And here's, what's, here's part of the problem. We've become a culture that's terrible at thankfulness. We're not really good at gratitude. And you know where that starts? In the private places of our own heart. Being ungrateful for the things that have happened in our lives. The fact that, yeah, we've been through some stuff, but we're here sitting in some nice little fold-down chairs, listening to this incredible preacher. Why'd you laugh? Don't laugh. It's not a joke. Yeah, there we go. There it is. Yeah, so so we, we just kind of, we, we kind of, when we forget to be thankful, we forget what we have to share. We forget, you know, we, we can kind of even have a house that has two tables to sit at. Like, that's pretty cool. And what we've allowed to happen is we allow stuff to pile up on one table, and the other table is supposed to stay clean, so nobody can ever sit there. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, here in Texas, we got, we got like four bedrooms for one kid, right? And we've, and we've got, and I know that's not everybody, but I, I'm just, we got two, we got a table by the kitchen for the quick meals, right? We got the table in the front room for, the, for when people come over. And we can tend to be forgetful of the space we have for other people in our lives. We can tend to forget that there is opportunity for us 
And we actually don't thank God for it because the enemy has turned it into a fear of transparency, fear of honesty, fear. See, one of the greatest things you can do is be transparent and honest with somebody that, man, life has not been good, but God has been faithful in all of it. In fact, I think Christians ruin their witness when they make it sound like everything's been great. You, you, you... You just reek of insincerity, and you, you, there's like, there's nothing, wait, you don't have anything wrong with your life? Well, then you and I cannot relate. Because what we're saying when we say that is God has saved us from nothing. God has not set us free from anything. God has not been our strong tower in times of difficulty. He has not been our refuge when things are hurting. He's not been our peace when we have chaos. He's not been our hope when we've had despair. He's not been our joy when we're hurting. Like when we forget that those things, some of you did, you, you, man, ah, oh, that's just, I'm, I'm such a bad part of my life. I'm going to keep it in the back room. I don't want anybody to know about it. You know, you know, like the room that you don't let people go in when people come over. Yeah, yeah I'm just, I don't want to let anybody into that place in my life. And we forget that that's actually the place that people need to see because they need to know that out of the darkness comes light and the light shines forth and there is a life that's in it. Quit making your story perfect. That's God's part. In fact, in fact, God actually doesn't promise perfection here. He promises heaven. But do, you, like, do you remember we talked about this just a few months ago? The garden wasn't perfect. If it was perfect, why did Adam have work to do? The garden was a place that was given to us to do life well and to enjoy it. And there are animals. And y'all know when there are animals, things get messy. It's not about perfection. It's about cultivating what God has put in our life and us enjoying it to the place. Maybe our, our view and our definition of perfection is wrong. Listen, your life, all the messiness included is a witness to people that even in the midst of your stuff, God is still Savior. You've seen something, so say something. You've been a witness, now bear witness. So let's keep reading. Okay. The light shines in the darkness. Okay, there was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all, now this is a big one. This is a big one. I don't know if you notice in your, in your uh, translation, but, but that, that word there, so that all might believe through him, that little word H, that H is not capitalized. We're talking about John the Baptist. So that all people could believe through who? Now, there might be some disagreement here, but, but understand, what are we trying to say here? What, 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 we're talking about John the Baptist. So that all might believe through who? Not in. We're not talking about believe in. We're talking about believe through. John the Baptist was the person that other people were going to believe in God through. His message was going to be the gateway for people to hear and know who God is. I think it's really challenging, in fact. Interesting. That, that we are people who are meant to believe, be believed through that our story is the thing that connects people to him 
What does Ephesians 2 say? That we are built brick by brick into a dwelling place for the Lord. So if we need one brick to go in so that the other brick can go in, so that the other brick can go in, and this whole thing only continues as each brick takes its place. So your story, who you are, what you're walking through, the things you've dealt with, the things that you're carrying, listen, connect yourself to what God has done. Connect yourself to who he is because it is that very thing that allows other people to connect themselves to the cornerstone of who is Jesus Christ. Disrupt the darkness. Then it says this. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone. That's a big word. Probably needs to kind of shift us a little bit. To give light to everyone. You know who everyone is, right? It's really like a trick question. It's everyone. It's everyone. He was coming into the world. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, earlier on, we saw this, um, we saw this statement, right, that, that this light was the life, right, that this light brought life into our world, that it was the thing that brought joy into our world. It brought, brought hope into our world, brought, brought movement into our world, that this light was the life of men. And this light is what we are as people meant to bring into the world. Right? There's a statement that um, John actually makes just a bit later. It's actually Jesus who makes it in John chapter 8. If you go to John chapter 8, throw that on the screen real quick. Verse 12. It says, I am the light of the world. Okay, so who's the light of the world? I'm going to rewind. Who's the light of the world? Okay, cool. That was better. That was better. That was better. I am the light of the world, right? Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have. Everybody say have. Have the light of life. Have is a possessive word. It is a word that I, as I follow him, I have this thing to give. It's not mine. It's I'm not the light. I'm not the shining one, right? We, some of us get really caught up in how much we shine and the light that we have, and we can kind of tend to make it about us and the things that we've done. But this is the life that was the light that was the life of men. He, he says, I, "You will have it as you follow me. You will have this light." And you got to remember, John the Baptist was prior to Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. The language kind of shifted as Jesus began to walk the earth and as Jesus left, and as Paul began to speak about. About who Jesus was, this kind of, this shifting began to take place, which was this idea that now this light dwelt in us. So when Paul talks about in Colossians, we'll talk about this next month, is that, that when God found it amazing and pleasing to put the fullness of God in Christ on the earth, and the mystery of the gospel is that then Jesus would dwell in us. So this light that is Christ now dwells in us. So this light that possesses our life and we possess in our world because we follow Christ is now something we have to give to others. We bring light into other people's world because it's in us. It's the same idea when John 10.10 10 says you have life and life abundant. 
Now, the whole purpose there is not that you would have life and more life and just for you and only for you, and it's just your life. In fact, other translations would say life overflowing. I don't know if you know this, but when you overflow something, it doesn't flow back into the cup. It flows out of the cup into whatever is around it. So the idea of that phrase, that statement, because I think we love to use that as a statement of going, I have life, and I have more life, and I get more life, and I got more life, and I got life. But the actual purpose of that statement is you have life and you have more than enough life to give to other people. Every promise of God that God gives you usually will impact other people. It's that idea, understanding that this life moves into a place where it affects other people. And so I have this light that shines in the darkness, right? I, I, uh, my son, who's four years old, uh, has recently started to understand uh, that darkness is dark, and he doesn't like it very much. You know what I'm talking about? Doesn't really love being in the dark, so he'll sneak into our bed, which I'm not, like, totally against. If he's doing that at 17, I'll have a problem. But at four years old, I'm like, I'm okay with it. He kind of sneaks through the house. I don't even, I wake up the next morning. I'm a deep sleeper. I wake up the next morning, and I roll over, and I'm going, oh, that's my four-year-old. Okay, cool. We're good. And he's got the same DNA as I have, so he sleeps well. It's fantastic. Our other one got my wife's DNA. He wakes up for everything. It's awesome. Somehow I have to deal with it. He disrupts the darkness. And so my four-year-old has started to tell me when I ask him, hey, why are you coming into our bed? I'm cool with it sometimes, like, you know, let's not do it every night, but, but he says, man, I'm, I'm afraid of the dark. He doesn't call me man. He says, dad, I'm afraid of the dark. I don't like the dark. And so I started, I started uh, recently just turning the light on in his closet and just opening it just a little bit, just a little bit, not a lot. I don't turn on the main light in his room. I don't light every, I don't turn on every lamp and every toy that has a light on it and open up the closet door. I don't like make it hard to sleep. I just, just a little bit of light. Seems to help him stay where he is and sleep. Do you know, I just, I just think we, again, we discount our story. People are not waiting for you to light up everything and figure out everything and answer everything and deal with everything. They just need, they just need a little bit of light in their life. They just need a little bit of hope. They just need a little bit of peace. They just need a little bit of encouragement. They just need a little bit of acceptance and belonging and something that says to them, I'm going to be okay. They just need, they, you have it. You, you've borne witness to it. Now bear witness to it. Testify about it. Be somebody who goes, oh, you know, I, I may not be able to turn on the lamp. That's Jesus' job, and I might need some other people to help me with that part. I've got this cool church. You should come along, man. You'll be accepted. You'll be loved. You'll be encouraged. You'll find hope and joy. Man, I, I, I'll, just give you, I'll just give you a little bit of light, and it'll help you in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your hurts and your pains. And like Meredith was saying, there are things people are dealing with that you just do not know about. So you've been a witness. Now bear witness. Just a little bit of light. Just, oh, just, just give somebody just a little bit of light. Help them to know that, man, I just, I'm just going to shine just a little bit. Quit thinking you've got to be the man or the woman who, who does everything. John the Baptist didn't even do that. All he did was set up Jesus. 
He goes, repent. The kingdom is near. There's one who's coming that's greater than me. I can't even tie his shoes. I can't even, I'm, I'm not even worthy of being near this man. I can't, I can't even carry his sandals. Like this is, the, he's, he, he's going to baptize with fire. He's, Jesus propping up Jesus. That's all he's doing. He doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't have, he just knows he can give, if I just give a little bit of light. If I could just disrupt the darkness for a moment. This system that's been built up by the Pharisees and the Sadducees that, that's all about who you are and what you do and, and your name and, and what you've made and, and all all the righteousness that you've achieved and, and somehow this is the system that had been built up over 400 years and John the Baptist shows up in his peculiar outfits in his peculiar dietary plan and peculiar things about him and begins to speak about a kingdom that's coming he didn't give great answers in fact he kind of yelled at the Pharisees and Sadducees when they showed up I, I, I just think that we are a people who have to be willing to just, man, however you can get just a little bit of light in the room. Because I think we, I think this is true about us. We tend to think we're adults, so we're not scared of the dark. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't actually think that's true. I don't, I don't actually think we've lost our fear of the dark. We've just changed where the dark originates. We, at four and five, we're scared of the dark because the lights are off. At 22, at 37, at 55, we're, we're afraid of the dark on the inside where we don't know what's going to happen here and we're not sure of this and we're a bit uncertain of this and we're a bit scared about that and we don't really know how that's going to play out and I'm not really sure of myself and I'm that little dark place in my life that I'm not letting anybody help me with or deal with or I'm not giving it to God, that little place in the dark. I don't think, I, I think we, we, we just, it's, it, it moves from an external thing to an internal thing. We may not be sitting in our bed calling our mom on the phone going, hey, I need you to come open my closet door. In fact, we get older and we actually get more arrogant. We, we, we get just, it's not even this arrogance, it's confidence. It's almost just this, this like idea that I can handle this. I can do this on my own. This, this thing that's going on on the inside of me, I'm not going to tell anybody about that. And that's why, this is, this is why it's so important. That is why you and I have to disrupt the darkness. Because it would not always be handed to us on a silver platter. People will not always just come in and go, hey, this is my problem. I need you to help me with it. Hey, this is what I'm walking through. I need you. To... That's why I just need to be someone who walks into every room and brings a little bit of light with me. Because someone's going to see it and go, oh, my God, I need that. Oh, yeah, you know what? You're somebody I can talk to. You know what? I, I've been waiting for someone I can share this with. Sometimes it's a... John started preaching before anybody showed up in the desert. John started shouting about the kingdom of heaven coming near before anyone showed up with their problems and their stuff. See, see, you're called to disrupt, meaning you're called to enter into a place that's been dominated by something else for a very long period of time and say, no, this is not how it has to be. This is not how it has to go. Whatever someone has told you, said about you, spoken into your life, I'm telling you now, right now, that I am with you and God's with you. He loves you. He's fought for you. He gave everything for you. And there is a light that shines in the darkness. And even though the darkness may not be completely gone yet, I'm just, I'm just going to give you a little bit of light to just to get you out of the room so you can begin to move towards that place where you find your father in heaven who will fight for you, who will give everything for you, who knows who you are and believes the best about who you are. He made you. Just a little bit of light disrupts the darkness. Just a little bit. You don't even need that much. Just a little bit disrupts the darkness. 
There can be darkness all over the place. You turn on a flashlight, turn on your headlights in your car, something shifts. All of a sudden, there's a confidence that comes. People need us to be willing to disrupt the darkness so that they can come into a place where they know who they are in Christ. You're not the light, but you've got it. You have it. It's in you. As you follow him, he gives you this light that is life to people who need joy and who need hope and need protection and need encouragement and need acceptance and need belonging. That's who we are, amen? Jesus on every street and in every heart, a church that disrupts the darkness, doesn't wait for the darkness to show its weaknesses, doesn't wait for the darkness to show all its cracks, just walks in and disrupts the darkness, full of courage and strength and boldness, amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you're with us, that you're for us. God, that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, we've seen something. So many of us in this room have seen something in our life from, from people who love you, who have loved us, even when we felt like we didn't deserve it. God, from you showing up in situations that, that even now we, we kind of forget sometimes how you showed up and moments. We, we've, we've actually gotten to a place where we've forgotten about it, and so we can't be thankful for it. And when we're not thankful for it, we can't brag about it or celebrate it. And so we, we actually lose our witness in a moment. I, I, God, I pray that for many of us, we would understand we have a light that shines. As we follow Christ, we, we have something that's in us that shines in the darkness. God, as we have Christ, as we have you, as you are in us and through us and for us, God, we want to bring that into a place where we disrupt darkness, where we disrupt fear, where we disrupt hurt and pain. God, where we disrupt the things that are happening in someone's life. God, where we disrupt it simply by bearing witness. God, let us not be people who have been a witness and not bear it. God, let us not be people who see something but don't say something. Let us be people who when we see it, we say it. Lord, that when we have it, we give it. God, that when it moves in us, we move with it. God, this light that shines in us, let it shine in others. God, let us be people who open closet doors just to get some light in the room, just to give some people some hope and some peace and some clarity, some joy, some grace, strength. God, let us be people who bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ, to the good news of who Jesus is. Some of you this morning, right now, in a moment of darkness, in a place where, where you have allowed the darkness or, or, or the darkness has just been so strong, the things of your life have just wiped you out and you are in a place where you're going, I need some light. And here we are opening closet doors. That's what we're doing right now. We're telling you that Jesus is with you and for you and will never leave you, never forsake you. And even in the midst of your worst fears, even in the midst of your, your biggest uncertainties, even in the midst of the darkness, there is a light that shines that is a life for you. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. You are not condemned. You are not forgotten. God is with you and for you, and he loves you, and he wants the light that is the life of men to show up. And that's why we are here, so that you would hear. God loves you. He's for you. Some of you are fighting some things in the dark. And you don't have to do that anymore. 
Some of you are wrestling with some things. Fear, uncertainty, hurt, unforgiveness, pain, disappointment, discouragement. God says, you don't have to worry about, I sent a light into the world that you would have life. You would breathe better. You would see further. You would stand taller. I came to disrupt the darkness and the darkness will not, cannot overcome the light. If that's you this morning and you're going, yeah, you know, I'm getting out of this darkness. I'm not gonna let this fear on the inside of me. I'm not gonna let this despair, this hurt on the inside of me continue to rule over my life. I've, I've just, right now, this morning, I've caught a glimpse. There's some light. There's a light that shines in the midst of my darkness. And I can begin to walk out of this thing. And I can begin to step into new life. And I can begin to step into a new thing. And I can begin to step into the purpose and the calling of God on my world. God, I, I'm going I'm I'm to be a witness. I'm going to bear witness. I'm, I'm going to be a light in the darkness for somebody else. I'm going to bring the light that God gave me. I'm going I'm to put it into the world of someone else who needs it. And I don't even know who it is. Sometimes everybody does a great job being good, being all right. God, I'm going to disrupt the darkness. But that's you and you're fighting in the darkness. That's you and you're, you're sleeping in the darkness and it's wearing you out and it's frustrating you and it's concerning you and it's worrying you and it's causing you to run into some places and, and leave some places. And God's going, no, 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 no. I want you to walk in the light. If you follow me, you will never, ever, ever, ever be without the light that is life. Is that you today? And you go, you know what? I'm, I see the light. I see that, that door is just opening. I, I, I'm seeing just even a glimmer, just even a, a small sign that there's life here, that there's light here. And you want to step into that today. You want to surrender that darkness to who Christ is, to the light that is in Jesus. That's you today. And you go, I'm, I'm done with the darkness. I'm done with it. I'm going to ask you just real quickly, and even a little bit courageously, just right now, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Everybody going, man, I, I've got that place in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? You can put your hand down if you're already raised. Anybody else? Just go, that's me. I'm, I, want to, I want to step into the light of Christ because it's life for me. It's going to bring hope. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to move you into a place where you're seeing things differently, where you're experiencing things in a new way. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you that there's light. I thank you that you illuminate. I thank you that I don't have to wrestle this thing in my, my own room by myself. But God, you're a father who comes in and begins to open doors and begins to turn on lamps and begins to shed some light, disrupt the darkness, begin to speak hope and joy, begin to speak clarity and peace. God, you've never left us. You never will. God, I pray right now, Lord, that we surrender. Come on, if that's you, you're going, I need to commit my life to Jesus. I need to recommit my life to Christ. I just need to get back into that place. God, we just submit all this to you. God, we repent where we haven't trusted you. We repent where we've just kind of gone a different direction. And we do that because we, we want freedom. We want hope. We want future. God, we believe that your kingdom wants to reign in my life and through my life, that your, the heaven would meet earth. God, that's what I want. That's what I desire. So I repent of my old stuff, my old things. And I'm not condemned. I'm not sentenced. I am set free. I have brought life. I am more than a conqueror. I have life through him who strengthens me. I, I, I can do this in Christ Jesus. I follow you so I have a light that is the light, life of men. Come on, I, I, I submit this to 
God, I surrender everything I am and everything I have to who you are. God, I surrender it in Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Come on, would you clap for those people who raised their hand this morning? Come on, celebrate.